You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hi, it's Jeremy Barron from Into the Calderon and Colt Chinero Chat. In a few moments, you are going to hear the newest program, my conversation with Sam Leverage, uh, discussing Atletico's victory over Valladolid on Saturday, which included a debut cameo from our new signing Memphis. We're also going to preview the Madrid Derby and the Copa del Rey on Thursday and talk about a bunch of other things. But before that... I wanted to discuss briefly the future of the Atletico Madrid Podcast Network and by proxy the future of Into the Calderon. If you did not hear or, or read this, last week Vox Media, SB Nation's parent company, decided to lay off 7% of its workforce. Included in these layoffs were several contributors, um, many, many contributors across several SB Nation sites being told that uh, their communities will be demonetized by the end of February. Uh, into the Calderon uh, were, were relatively speaking spared, but the Atletico Madrid podcast network uh, will be demonetized by Vox Media, uh, by SB Nation uh, on February 28th. So that means Into the Calderon will no longer be hosting uh, Colt Chinero Chat or Partido a Partido podcast episodes. Uh, this news came as a surprise to all of us at ITC, and uh, we weren't expecting it. We weren't given a heads up that this was coming. We found out when, practically when everyone else did. Um, it's never news that you want to receive. It's never an email that you want to, to read, but that's the way it is. It is a, um, a status update, a barometer on the media climate uh, in, the, in this country right now. And I've, I stand in solidarity with our brothers and sisters at other sites covering other teams and other leagues that uh, will no longer be able to do so unless they decide that they want to work for free. Um, and my personal feelings on that aside, um, I feel terrible for them and I wish them the best whatever they decide to do. Uh, but as far as Into the Calderon is concerned, nothing will change immediately. So for the next four or five weeks, you will be able to peruse the pages of our site as normal. You will be able to listen to all new and archived uh, Colch Nero Chat episodes uh, on our site or by uh, searching Into the Calderon on your favorite podcasting platform. As for the medium to long term, well, we're still trying to figure that out. Uh, we're we're discussing internally what options we're going to take. You know, even a few days after we got the news, nothing has been decided yet. Uh, we are actively uh, searching for a new host, a new place to call home, where uh, we can house all future Colt Nero Chat and Partido a Partido episodes from the 1st of March. So I will keep you all apprised as to how that's developing 
any new updates or developments, I will share them here on the podcast. Um, as far as the site itself, our, all, all our written content, our written archives, uh, we're still online, at least for now. Uh, the layoffs and the cuts gave has given us pause as to what the future of SB Nation is going to look like. But that's a discussion for another time and another place. So as far, you know, as far as we're concerned, we are still good to go. All our written stuff can be found as normal on Into the Calderon and, and will continue to be found in the, the digital pages uh, of our website. Uh, so nothing changes there. Don't have to worry about that for the time being. But I will keep you all apprised. I'll keep you all updated as to the future of the podcasts and where they're going to be housed um, after next month. Th- this means more than ever um, that your support is so important and we really appreciate it, all of us, not just me. Um, you can continue to listen to our episodes as normal. Uh, if you'd like more, you can subscribe, become a Colch Chat amigo at patreon.com slash Colch Chat. From as little as $3 a month, you get exclusive access to bonus audio programming that includes my instant analyses after every Atletico match, uh, poll questions, mailbag podcasts, a bunch of other stuff uh, updated weekly. And again, from as little as $3 a month, other tiers offer other benefits. If you join the $10 a month tier, for example, you get access to our WhatsApp group, the Coach Nero Chat group chat. We talk during games. We talk before and after games. It's a lot of fun. I highly recommend it. So I want to thank you for listening to uh, this unexpected intro to the podcast. And without further ado, my conversation with Sam Leverage. Vamos. Good opportunity to give a shout to a blog, a a US fan club of Atletico Madrid called Into the Calderon. Do some really good content for all followers of the Colchoneros. A decent base in the United States as well, following the action on ESPN+. Give them a follow. At into the corridor. Um, and I don't know if if you saw this. By the way, I only saw it on on Twitter this morning, like a quartet of screenshots. But Atletico's Instagram account did a, a Q&A with Barrios today. Um, and in the IG live comments, uh, Antoine Griezmann kept saying, when are you paying for a team meal, Pablito? Pablito, when are you paying for a meal? Pablito, when are you paying? I was dying. <laughs> well, with his new wages, I'm sure he can afford it. <laughs> he, he is a much richer man, um, given the news that that broke yesterday. And that is where we're, we're going to start this edition of the program. It is a new Colch Nero chat on Tuesday afternoon. I'm Jeremy Barron, joined by Sam Leverage. What's up, man? How you doing? Good. Thank you, Jeremy. How are you doing? No complaints, at least today. But, you know, there are other days in the week. Uh, but we, uh, we've got a lot to talk about. You know, we, we've got uh, a good show, good vibes, uh, post-vide the lead, pre-Madrid. We're going to talk all about uh, those two games later on in the program. But I want to start, Sam, with Pablito Barrios, the news coming down on Monday morning, although it's it's clear it was done well before Monday, um, that Barrios has signed a new uh, professional first team contract with Atletico to 2028. Uh, Relevo among the outlets reporting that his release clause will jump from 40 million euro to 100 million euros. So Chelsea, stay away. Uh, Sam, your thoughts on Pablo Barrios's new contract and the fact that he is now the first Atletico B player to make the jump since Thomas Party seven years ago. Oh, it's exactly that, isn't it? I mean, I think it's great news, and it's also very clear that Diego Simeone really rates him. I mean, uh, just watching a clip that somebody had put together earlier today, which was just Diego Simeone talking about Pablo Barrios, and pretty much every game that Pablo Barrios has played in. Afterwards, Diego Simeone said something about how he loves his attitude, he loves the way he plays, he loves his bravery and his courage, kind of stepping up as quickly as he has done because this is a guy who was playing with the youth team not that long ago and I think he's done a fantastic job so far he certainly hasn't looked out of his depth hasn't struggled at all and to see this new contract come through is kind of a 
a sign that Atletico really do believe in him. I mean, we've seen other young players come into the team and have their chances. I'm thinking of Javi Serrano last season, but there's never been this kind of investment of faith, so to speak, into their talent. And with Pablo Barrios, I mean, he's got, what, three, four, five first-team appearances, and he's already got this new big contract, which is for five years, I think it is, through to 2028. And that keeps him tied down at Atleti and for the foreseeable future and is definitely a big statement of intent to anybody hopping around and interested that the Paolo Barrios is an Atleti player and he will be for the next few years. He's shown in his handful of appearances, his handful of starts, Sam, that he's got character, he's got charisma, energy, of course, but he also looks like he could be a pretty good player. He's just 19 years old and he already shows that He's got creativity, vision, playmaking ability, and it's telling that his minutes have come at the expense of Rodrigo de Paul, right? That his minutes have come at the expense of Koke, right? The past two years, Atletico's midfield has been pretty soft and relatively easy to play through. Um, Barrios has added a new dimension, and it's really exciting. It's definitely something to look forward to in what has been a pretty difficult 18 to 24 months since Atletico won La Liga, uh, that the, the future is perhaps arriving. And it's great news that they gave him uh, that release clause uh, that can't be easily activated. And it shows that, yeah, they they may be counting on young players like Barrios, you know, like Roro Raquelme, you know, like uh, Samuel Lino, who has been great at Valencia this year, uh, Sergio Cameo at Rayo. Uh, speaking of Serrano, I heard that his loan at Mirandes has been terminated. He's barely played since he went there. Um, bit of a, a strange situation. It looked at the end of last season like he was going to be doing what Barrios is doing now. Yeah, well, I think that's an interesting comparison because I think Javi Serrano came into the team more as a case of desperate need of a player with mm. those characteristics in that position. Whereas, as you say, I think that's the perfect way to compare it. Pablo Barrios has come in and he's displaced Rodrigo de Paul, who just came back having won the World Cup. I mean, yeah. that's a huge comparison. I mean, Serrano did okay. I don't think, I think he definitely had moments where he looked like he was struggling a little bit. He didn't look like a first division player. Whereas now Pablo Barrios has come in, he's earned that place, he's kept that place. And of course, I mean, I think when we look back at having Serrano last season, it's, it's easy. I'm guilty of it a lot to think that he featured a lot, but he didn't really. I think he made one La Liga start. I think Pablo Barrios has already surpassed that and, and it feels like Pablo Barrios has played a lot less football this season than Javier Serrano played last season. So I think there's an interesting comparison. I think that Pablo Barrios is a is an entirely different level and an amount of talent. Yeah, the their player profiles are very different. Javi is is more of a a pivot, a number five type of player while Barrios is I think more creative and can be more influential with the ball at his feet. Um, either way, it, it, it's great news that Atletico are finally looking toward maybe a new project, toward injecting new blood into what has become a pretty stagnant group of players. Um, still, a, a, a stagnant group of players, we say, that is still in a Champions League place. So um, Atletico maintaining their place, or re- returning rather, to the top four with a 3-0 win over lead on uh, Saturday. Uh Sam, as off as you often do, you did the the three things uh, column for our site regarding the Valladolid game, which, which again saw Atletico return to the top four, level on points with Villarreal. Uh, all the goals coming in a ten minute span in the first half, uh, the first time in a long time. I wish I had the figure right in front of me. Uh, the the first time since February twenty fifteen that Atletico scored three times in a half uh, at home, and they were playing at the Calderon back then. Yeah, no, I mean, I had a WhatsApp just after that third goal went in from a friend who wasn't at the game, but he sent me a text and just said, um, am I drunk or have I really just seen that Atleti have scored three goals in 10 minutes? <laughs> I think that puts it well. How many games have we seen this season? I think maybe it's been a couple of weeks ago now, but I know the stat was that half of Atleti's games at the one at the Civitas Metropolitano <laughs> season, 0-0 at the break. So to be 3-0 up and cruising and, and comfortable, I mean... Australia really kicked on after that, but how many games have we had this season where we would have paid anything to be cruising and 3 0 up at the break? And to have that kind of ease and, and relaxed way of enjoying a second half of football is a, a nice change for Atleti. 
Yeah, Vidali, of course, ended the game with more possession. 53% possession for the visitors, just 47 for the hosts. But Atletico outshot uh, Vidali 18 to 7, eight shots on target to the visitors, one. Um, Simeone, before the game, talked about uh, Pacheta and Vidali as a team that the results haven't been accompanying the performances. Uh, Vidali have some some decent attacking players, and they play attractive football. And I think if they had been able to get a goal when they had a spell of possession in the first 10, 15 minutes, this would have been a completely different story. Atletico came out and looked nervous. They looked jittery. Mario Hermoso and Axel Witzel in a back four. Oh, Lord, this could go terribly. Um, but things calmed down when Morata put the first goal in at Jordi Massip's near post. Uh, Antoine Griezmann then broke his 18-game scoreless run a few minutes later, a short cross from Nahuel Molina and a lovely flick from just inside the six-yard box. And then a free kick finds Hermoso's head. Uh, Masip makes the save. Hermoso then flicks it in with his left foot because, of course, he does. Um, he's he's insane. I love him. <laughs> but this was his th- a third straight good game, I think, from Hermoso, Sam. The physicality. The anticipation defensively, he hasn't made any backbreaking mistakes. He's gotten the the titularidad. He's playing regularly, and he scored. Like I, as a player, it's difficult to like him. It's easy to hate him as a player because he transmits insecurity. He doesn't transmit confidence. But as a character, you gotta love him. Yeah, I mean, I almost didn't want to say anything positive about him at the weekend because we're like, no. The second that you say something positive or. I've been impressed by Mario Hermosa. He's bound to make a terrible mistake like 30 seconds later. I know. But, I mean, he has been. He's been really consistent, reliable, composed. I mean, everything we don't normally associate with Mario Hermoso. So if this is his coming of age and kind of proving Diego Simeone right to throw him back into the team, then then that would be a huge boost for Atletico, especially given the the injuries, the suspensions to Jose Jimenez and Stefan Savic of late. I think having an extra central defender is crucial. And if we can regain Mario Hermoso from the form that he's been in for the last six months to a year, then that would be a real boost to this Atletico squad. It, it would be like a new signing. Uh, Hermoso has always had a, a sweet left foot. Uh, on the ball, he is Atletico's best center back. But in terms of everything else, like positioning, anticipation, concentration, decision-making, he's comfortably Atletico's worst. Uh, so to have him improve to this level defensively, he started the last three games, and he's he's been pretty good. He wore the captain's band earlier this season, and the, the win over Celta, he was the, the captain on the night. It's clear that he has respect in that dressing room. Um, it's clear that he... He is a leader, and he has, he's determined, he has, uh, he's obviously an extremely confident individual, and that transmits to his playing style, because how many guys do you know could commit, like, the the bonehead fouls and give away the silly penalties that he gives away, but also score a goal like that? And I think that's the best way to describe him, right? I mean, bonehead fouls and silly penalties, it's pretty much Mario Hamasso, but I think he's kind of cut now of his game, and I think... Atleti were very defensively strong. I mean, it's interesting because we talk about Valladolid, we make it sound easy, but no team had beaten Valladolid by more than two goals since Barcelona in August before this weekend. Mm. But Atleti did look pretty defensively strong. And as you said, I mean, Valladolid did have more possession. This wasn't a case of Atleti steamrolling. I mean, Valladolid did have the ball and there were tests. I remember in one of the opening minutes, there was a long ball over the top and Sergio Leon, I think Sergio Leon is kind of in his 30s comfortably he's not a young forward I'm just going to double check his age now to make sure he's not actually younger than I think no he's 34 <laughs> he's 34 yeah and Axel Witzel he looked like Usain Bolt next to Axel Witzel <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking oh no this is going to be a very long 90 minutes but to be fair to them I mean Axel Witzel was pretty solid and Mario Hermoso kind of tied that back line together and I think it's interesting that he's kind of taken up that role of the leader in the absence of Osema Jimenez or Stefan Savic to be the one organising that back line and not Axel Witzel who's a much more experienced player and I think that kind of shows his role within the squad off the pitch as well. 
staying with Vidalid for just a moment, Sam, uh, one one player who has gotten a lot of media attention lately and could likely be on the move, will likely be on the move this month, is Ivan Fresneda, the 18-year-old right back uh, who came through their academy. Didn't start this game, came on as a second-half sub. Uh, Arsenal, Juventus, Newcastle, Borussia Dortmund, all interested in signing him. He can reportedly be acquired for just 15 million euro. What did you make of, of Fresneda's cameo and all of the interest surrounding him? This would be a, a, a big sale, potentially, for Valladolid. I was a bit surprised he wasn't starting. Same. Talking to a couple of the lead fans, I think they were quite surprised that he hadn't started, and I think they were shocked, but surprised, definitely. And they were talking about, is this because he's already close to agreeing a transfer deal? And then he did come on, he was in that right-back role, but only lasted for five or ten minutes, and then he moved into a right, um, right-sided right central defender in a back three, and I was pretty impressed. I mean, seeing him up close in the, the flesh, he... His anticipation was good, his positioning was good, he read the game quite well. I don't think Atleti particularly tested him. I mean, a lot of the game was coming down his side of the pitch with, with Memphis and Yannick Alasco in those later stages, but I think he looked pre- pretty comfortable and considering his age and his inexperience to, to look that comfortable up against Yannick Alasco and Memphis Depay is, is pretty impressive. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. He's already been capped half a dozen times uh, in Spain's under-18s, uh, under under-19s, and only 18 years old. Um, he's, it looks like he's got a very bright future ahead of him, and that 15 million euro could look like a, a bargain. It could already be considered a bargain for a, a player with, with his profile, really smooth on the ball, really creative, um, but also pretty responsible defensively from the highlights I've seen and, and watching him over the weekend. He's a good one, and I, I, I read his release clause as $30 million, but Vaya Delete are willing to sell for half that, which is a little curious. Yeah, well, I think they can, can get that deal and, and sell him for, for less, but with a, a percentage of any future sales mm-hmm. like that, the add-ons and everything, that will quickly add up, and, and I'm sure they'd be happy to take that. And, I mean, one of the other things to remember as well is I think, I'm not 100% sure, but I think he also played alongside Pablo Barrios at Real Madrid. Yes. At very when they were early teens, and then they both went their separate ways. Pablo Barrios to Atleti, obviously. And for this, I think he went to Leganes before he went to Valladolid. Mm-hmm. Interesting that I mean, we often talk about La Fabrica and Real Madrid and the talent they generate. And these seem to be two players who are, are pretty, pretty strong quality that have got away from Real Madrid at a time when Real Madrid are looking more to, to Brazil rather than their own youth academy for the young talent. Yeah, they could use someone like Fosnana right about now, given that Carvajal has been on the decline for two, three years at this point. But alas, I'm glad he's no longer at Madrid uh, and no longer is able to help them as he's likely ticketed for a move abroad. Uh, Atletico cameos in this game, Sam. Memphis Depay got his debut. He got 15 minutes at the end. Uh, what did you make of our first look at Memphis in red and white? He looked very unfit, which mm-hmm. is to be expected. Let's be fair to him. He's only played, I think the last time he played 90 minutes was in June of 2022. So, I mean, it's been a full six months since he's played 90 minutes. Yeah. And he's barely played for Barcelona. I think his biggest involvement was for the Netherlands at the World Cup. And so I think we need to be realistic with, with where he's at, not get our hopes up too high. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it was quite interesting. But what I was intrigued by, concerned about, not sure how to put this, but 
is where he and Antoine Griezmann fit into this system when they're both on the pitch at the same time because they're both players who like to have the ball at their feet they like to dictate the play they like to hang in the same kind of spaces just behind the forwards slightly over to the left maybe I think that's when it'll be interesting to see how they combine on the pitch at the same time but in this case on Saturday Griezmann had already gone off when Memphis came on Memphis kind of took control of everything that Aleti did in that final third and the link up play with Yannick Carrasco was very good and so I think there's some real potential there for that to be promising but yeah I think it's very hard to judge uh, particularly given his his current fitness state and and where he's at and and obviously coming into the team with only one training session under his belt because it's going to be hard to to make any judgment calls based off of that coming yeah, he's he's rusty. That was the the number one thing that it was pretty clear immediately. His touch was heavy. Uh, he lost the ball in positions where a player of his quality usually wouldn't lose the ball. Um, but beyond that, I, I think the the combination play and the potential chemistry with Carrasco could be so huge for this team because Carrasco, as we've talked about, Sam has had a really disappointing season. He's been linked with a move away. Oh, reportedly uh, Barcelona are interested in him. And as part of the Memphis deal, they retained uh, a right of first refusal for the summer to which if Atletico agree to sell Carrasco to somebody else, they have to let Barcelona know first and Barcelona can then buy him for a fee of less than 20 million euro. So uh, a lot, lot of potential distractions for Carrasco. So he needs someone to help him. Carrasco has been isolated a lot this season and, and has been trying to create a lot of his own offense uh, so this that is super encouraging. His combination play, um, his and you could just tell from you could also tell from just that brief cameo that he's someone who demands the ball at his feet. He, he this is someone who wants to make things happen and make magic happen in the final third and and try a bunch of different things. Uh, the uh, he's a shot creating monster. That combination play will help Atletico sustain pressure and create more chances, but who's going to finish these chances? Uh, Morata scored in this game, but we know how inconsistent he is. Uh, Griezmann got his first goal in 18 games. Correa, we know, is it runs very hot and cold. When he is hot, he's very hot and will go on 9, 10, 11 game scoring runs, but then he won't score for three or four months. So does Memphis really solve Atletico's problem, biggest problem, which is that they don't have a pure 9? Memphis can be a 9, but he can also play in a lot of different, a lot of different roles and play anywhere along the front, uh, the forward line. He can play as a false nine. He can play as a winger. Uh, who's going to finish the chances that Memphis will undoubtedly help Atletico create? Yeah, I think that's the the big question. Just going back on on Yannick Carrasco, there, I thought it was interesting that he was kind of booed and whistled a bit by some of the fans mm. as he was coming on. I think. I mean, it's understandable. I mean, his agent was quite publicly agitating for a move to Barcelona saying there were talks going on and when there's that kind of deal in place I mean there's always that doubt of okay this doesn't happen just because Barcelona are interested this happens because the player is trying to make it happen as well I don't think it's any secret the Anna Carrasco isn't particularly happy at Atletico and you can see why fans might not be too impressed but he was okay when he came on and yeah going back to your your original question I mean I think that's the issue for Atleti is that Memphis Depay isn't a traditional number nine. It was interesting listening to Diego Simeone's press conference before the game when he compared him to Diego Costa. Yes. I think he wants to evolve Memphis into a number nine. I don't think that's what he is right now, but I think Diego Simeone maybe sees those characteristics in him, that hold-up play, that strength, that pace when he's in better shape, and, and that kind of ability to make things happen in the final third. I don't think that's the Memphis that we know. I don't think that's the Memphis of the last few years. But maybe that's how Diego Simeone wants to evolve him, and that's a whole new project. We've seen him do it with other players. Antoine Griezmann is a completely different player to the Antoine Griezmann that joined from Real Sociedad. But with other players, it hasn't worked out quite so well. And I think that's what's going to come to define Memphis to buy Atletico Madrid is how he reacts and adapts to Diego Simeone's methods and so on. And and also, I mean, he's used to being the star of the show. I mean, when he was at Lyon, he was the star. When he was at PSV, he was the star. When he was at Barcelona, he initially went in there as kind of being the the replacement for Leo Messi in a way. And he thrived under that. Atletico, he's not got that role. I mean, he's coming in and he's playing alongside players like Alvaro Morata and Juan Griezmann. He's not the superstar of this team. So I think that's going to be an adaptation for him. If he embraces all of that, takes it on board and 
becomes this amazing, incredible number nine. He does have good finishing statistics and so on. So, so maybe it is a Diego Simeone miracle about that. Yet, a, yet another reinvention prompted by uh, El Cholo. Um, yeah, I thought the Costa comparison was super interesting. And I, I can see uh, Cholo's point. Uh, I think people forget that Costa wasn't always the the ferocious, rampaging number nine uh, that he became in his final season at Atletico and, and when, when he became at Chelsea. Uh, he was Radamel Falcao's deputy. He was Radamel Falcao's sidekick. Um, and it was after Falcao left that Costa really stepped out of that shadow and emerged as a lethal number nine. So I, I'm going to be fascinated to see how this works. Um, you can see Memphis is physically strong. Um, he's pretty quick. Uh, he's physically, for, for someone of his size and stature, physically, um, I think he has some underrated physical characteristics. So we'll, we'll see what happens. It would be really interesting if Memphis were converted into a new Costa. Um, I, I wonder what form that that is going to take and you know he also a good point about him not necessarily being the star of this team Antoine Griezmann is the star of this team Sam as he showed once again on Saturday with a first half masterclass um you know I, I keep going back to how this this is so different from last season when Griezmann came back and it just looked everything looked so ill-fitting around him he was out for a couple of months with an injury then he had a relapse of that injury and just never got going and this season has been completely different. I genuinely really did not see this coming. No, not at all. I mean, I think now the, the Antoine Griezmann that we're seeing week in, week out is almost, I mean, different to Antoine Griezmann in the past. But for me, he's as good as Antoine Griezmann has ever been at Atletico Madrid. I think he's got that ability to control a game, to decide a game, but in so many different ways. I mean, this was his first goal in La Liga since October, was it? I mean, so obviously mm-hmm. that's not the best, but I mean, he was, I mean, he's been fantastic since then. This isn't, Antoine Griezmann hasn't scored since October. He's not been great. Antoine Griezmann has literally decided several games for Atletico in that period. And I think it's really interesting how he's evolved and, and also how he's kind of getting older and changing his game to adapt to that. And I think when when he returned to Atletico, there were fans who were saying, come on, why are we bringing back a player on such big wages at such an age? But I think he's showing that he does have a couple of years left in him at least. I think he's he's adapting and whether that continues to adapt over over time as well will be interesting to see. But I don't think anybody here is thinking, will Antoine Griezmann go to MLS in the summer or anything like that, like they maybe were when he initially returned from Barcelona. So I think he's proving all of the doubters wrong and and he's thanking Diego Simeone for that. And he's also coming, taking that leadership role off the pitch within the squad as well. And it's been fantastic to see. Yeah, there's a, definitely a, a leadership vacuum. And we, we talked about Koke last week, how Koke has always been the most loyal, loyal of soldiers um, and, and has been a good captain for Atletico. Like he was captaining the team as when he was 22 years old. That was when he first took the captain's band. Um, and we talked about Koke as he's got the games record, he's got the Jeroqueria, the standing, the reputation, but there is still kind of a leadership vacuum in Atletico, and Griezmann has done an amazing job of stepping into that as well. And even, this was also a, the point I was going to make, is that even looking back just to the summer, I think Atletico might have been willing to part with Griezmann had the situation become desperate enough. Um you know, and I, I think they there was always a quiet confidence behind the scenes that if they raised enough of a stink that Barca would come to the table and they would renegotiate the obligation to buy from 40 million euro to 20 million, that Griezmann would take another pay cut if they pressed hard enough. But I think if push came to shove, they really would have considered selling him. They would have taken him away from, from Simeone and it would have been un drama, un culebron. It would have been terrible. Um, it would just would have been a giant soap opera, but he stayed. And he reinvented himself. He had to seriously humble himself and take multiple pay cuts and apologize and apologize again. Um, I don't know. Personally, Sam, do you forgive him for for leaving for Barcelona and then coming back? I think I do. I understand why people don't. Because how he left, the manner of it, the documentaries and all of that. 
it's very easy to understand why he did that, but he does definitely come across as a guy who's who's owned up to those mistakes. And I think that's the biggest thing, isn't it? Not just that he's come back to Atletico and he's playing well again. I don't think it has anything to do with that. For me, it's more his attitude, his desperation to come back, his willingness to, to do anything. If Cholo tells him that he's playing centre-back against Real Madrid in the derby, I think he'd do it. <laughs> that kind of player who would do it and sacrifice for the team. And I think that's what's winning people over rather than goals, assists, whatever, key passes. I don't think people are that interested in that with Antoine Griezmann. I think it is more the attitude and, and that commitment to Atletico Madrid. And I think his wife helps him out a lot there. She's very publicly she always backed Atletico Madrid, always says, kind of, Antoine, you never should have left. This mm-hmm. is transfer thing, right? And things like that on social media. So to have that backing and then to, to also be producing on the pitch and to be saying all the right things, doing all the right things, I think it does do everything he can do to get forgiveness. And if people don't forgive him, I don't think he can do any more at this point. I think he's done all there is to do, apart from maybe win a Champions League title with Atletico Madrid. I think other than that, he's he's gone as far as he can. Six goals, six assists, and 18 appearances in La Liga. Second in the assist charts behind uh, Real Sociedad's brilliant Mikel Marino. He's He's been great, and he had to change his role again. This is like the second time, third time in his career he's had to reinvent himself as a player, um, and he's done so masterfully. He is This is his team once again, um, and that, that shows no signs of letting up. Here's a stat for you, Sam. Uh, Alvaro Morata scored on the weekend. Atletico are now 17-6-0 when Morata scores. Morata is known for scoring in bursts, and Morata... Uh, he put Elia Meek on the floor for this goal, though. It cut inside and then finished at the near post. A really sharp finish, and I wish we saw this from him more often because he's got the the intangibles and the characteristics to be a really good nine, but the, 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 he's, he's, this is who he is. He's 30 years old, and the pieces just haven't all quite fit in his career, but he's still capable of pulling that off. Yeah, definitely. I think you could almost tell on... On Saturday as well, he looks so much more confident after seeing that first one go in. And yep. The chance I think we've seen him miss several times in the past, and you see the next one, he looks a little bit more frustrated, a little bit less belief. But this time, especially with that goal coming early in the game, I think it really kind of gave him that boost, that self-belief. And I think Alvaro Morata in particular is a player who is very much a confidence player where the mental factor is hugely important. And, and I think that these kind of decisive moments where you say a game depends on a moment. I think him scoring that chance was possibly decisive in Atletico getting that win. I mean, maybe Morata misses that one, the next chance goes his way, he misses again. Then suddenly the game has a very different complexion, Violet get one on the counter, suddenly everything's very different. So I think that Alvaro Morata is, when Alvaro Morata is on it, he's a world-class striker, but the issue is is that he's never on it regularly right. enough or consistently enough. And I guess that's part of, I mean, if he was as good as he can be in every game, he wouldn't be Atletico Madrid. He'd be a much bigger club than Atletico Madrid. But how do Atletico get that out of him? Is he worth the money, the investment, the profile? And it's it's a difficult one with Alvaro Morata. I'm a fan of his, but I can definitely see why he might be one of the first players that you look to move on in a world where finances are tight and there's no Champions League football. Yeah, if it does come to that, Atletico are level on points with Villarreal at the moment, and Villarreal do have the head-to-head courtesy of that 2-0 win at the Metropolitano back in August. Um, yeah, Morata's just, he's such a weird player. And he did miss two chances before he put one in in the 18th minute. Uh, the chance in the third minute that Correa made for him, the, the, the sliding shot assist, and Morata misses it from a really good angle. Uh, two big misses in the first five minutes, and then one goes in. And that, that gets Atletico started. Uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about from this game, Sam, before we move on to, to the Cuff and the Derby, uh, was Toma Lema. Uh, uh, several times in this game, I noticed him coming deep to receive the ball and trying to drive through the middle and, and progress play uh, through the middle of the pitch. Uh, talk to me a little, a little bit about Toma Lema's role in this team. Uh, in just... Because he, he's another one of these very talented but just incredibly inconsistent players. Like, we like the profile, we like the technical ability, but Diego Simeone, the past season plus, has had some trouble getting 
getting the best version of Lema to return. Yeah, I mean, again, I mean, especially in that midfield, I feel like the midfield is a real problem area for, for Atletico this season. And Thomas Lamar is one of those players who, I don't think he fits any of these roles perfectly. I feel like his ideal role doesn't really exist in this Diego Simeone system. Mm. And so what we've seen is that Diego Simeone is trying him out in various different roles and I'm just not sure any of them click. I mean, he, he was trying to progress the ball. He was trying to pick it up and take players on. And that's something we haven't seen too much of from him in the last year or so. But I feel like with Thomas Lamar, there's just that's something that always feels like it doesn't quite work at Atletico. And, and again, I think he's another player who benefits from having confidence and, and feeling comfortable. And I'm not sure that he feels comfortable in these central midfield roles that he's currently playing in. So... I think he did okay against Valladolid. I think he, he looked all right. He, he definitely kind of moved possession forwards. He he was kind of positive on the field. Is it enough to earn him a starting spot regularly? I, I'm not sure I'd go that far, but at the same time, the other options maybe aren't that strong either, and, and he could be in with a shout. But I feel like if, if other players, if Rodrigo de Paul was, was on form or if Pablo Barrios had another year of experience and game time under his belt, then... I'm not sure we'd be seeing very much of Thomas Lamar. Yeah, I, I can, I, I certainly can see that, uh, that being the case. Um, speaking of DePaul, uh, roundly whistled again by the, by the supporters when he came on for his second half substitute appearance. There just really is no way back for him. It, it would appear, and I wonder how seriously the club is looking at solving this particular situation. You know, perhaps selling DePaul this month, or certainly over the summer. It, it doesn't feel the perception of him among uh, among the Atletico fans is just so the perception's really bad and really low right now yeah I mean you say that Jeremy but there was one time in the second half after he came on as a sub when he pressed the Valladolid defense really high I mean one of those kind of loose balls back to the defense and the ball chased it I mean what we saw at the World Cup from Rodrigo de Paul of chasing the last man down trying to make something happen out of nothing and, I mean, he'd been whistled, he'd been booed and everything when he came on. But when that happened, there was kind of like a round of applause. Like, a, yeah, come on, that's the, that's the Rodrigo de Paul mm-hmm. at the World Cup. That's the Rodrigo de Paul we want to see. And so it's there. And that's what's so frustrating with him. It's a bit like having a, a caged lion that you're like, come on, we know there's a lion in there, but how do we get it out? And I think he is a player who could offer so much to Atletico Madrid. But it's just, has he, is it too far gone? Is it too... Have we locked up this lion and, and thrown away the key, or can we find a way to get it out? And I think Diego Simeone perhaps has lost some of his patience, but maybe if he gets one more chance in a starting role in in a big game, which could be Thursday night, could he he work his way back? I mean, maybe that's the optimist in me, but I'd, I always like to keep some of the hope with Rodrigo de Paul. Yeah. As long as he's here, right? You know, we've seen Mario Hermoso turn it around in recent weeks. You know, why can't DePaul? Uh, it it it's it it seems a tougher ask, though, given the the personal issues that have followed him off the pitch. But you never know, and he will get a big chance on Thursday night, Sam, against Real Madrid at the Bernabeu in a Copa del Rey quarterfinal clash. This is a big one. This is Atletico's biggest game of the year to this point. As we switch gears, uh, the only real uh, negative from the Valladolid games that Marco Sorrente got hurt. Uh, and he is going to be out for three weeks due to uh, another muscle injury, which is so unfortunate because he's been in really good form. Uh, so they're going to miss Sorrente on Thursday night. That does open up a place for DePaul against Madrid. Uh, this is the first cup clash, uh, the first Madrid derby in the cup since 2015 when uh, across two legs, Atletico eliminated Madrid from the competition for two on aggregate. How do we see this one going on Thursday, Sam? It's going to be... It's going to be intense. I have to be honest, I have literally no idea. <laughs> it's going to be a very tight game, but I really couldn't tell you who's going to win. I feel like Atletico have the extra motivation. I feel like Atletico are coming into some decent form. I feel like Atletico have everything there and enough at stake in this game to really go for it and, and spring an upset. But at the same time, Real Madrid are Real Madrid and and I do worry that that Marcos Llorente game injury could come to be decisive. I mean, 
every time we've played against Real Madrid over the last few years, Diego Simeone has used Marcos Llorente as kind of the man marker of Vinicius. Mm-hmm. And just said, Marcos, follow Vinicius, stop him doing anything. You're the only guy who can keep up with him, the only guy who can control him. And so how do you do this battle without Marcos Llorente? The pool could come in, but is he going to be willing to track back as much as Marcos Llorente would? Does that then pass Vinicius over to Nahuel Molina? How is Nahuel Molina going to handle that? He's done okay in the past with some Argentina-Brazil clashes and so on. But how does that battle evolve? Then it's a very different kind of challenge. And so then I wonder how decisive that, that injury could turn out to be on Thursday. Yeah, if, if it is Nahuel Molina, then... Uh, the right side of Atletico's uh, Atletico won't have any influence on the right side in an, in an attacking sense. Um, it's going to be that much more challenging if Atletico cannot cannot attack from the flanks, um, and Molina has to be the one either man marking or, or just tracking uh, Vinicius everywhere up and down the pitch. Um, and Madrid are always at their most dangerous when they look vulnerable. Right? Uh, they were down two nil in the round of sixteen against Villarreal. Uh, they came back in 1-3-2 with Danny Ceballos unexpectedly being the hero. Um, it, 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 when Madrid, like the, when, when they're backed into a corner, that is when they are at their strongest. And that is, they haven't played well since the start of the year, uh, since the end of the World Cup. They haven't played especially well. Uh, they beat Athletic 2-0 at the weekend at San Mace, but that that didn't come easy. It never does. Athletic are really good at home. So I... I yeah, I'm with you. This game really could go either way. Atletico will have that extra motivation. Madrid are tired. Madrid have done a lot of traveling. They've been in multiple competitions. I could certainly see the upset here, and it would be very timely to take Atletico into the last four, and it would be Atletico's first win at the Bernabeu against Madrid since 2016. Yeah, it's been a while. No, but I think, as you said, I mean, Real Madrid, I think, this is why if we had to decide the perfect game for Atletico to have before playing Real Madrid, I think it was that game against Bayern because it was a game when they did have early chances, they took them, they decided the game in the first half. And if Atletico are going to beat Real Madrid, they need to do exactly that. I mean, Real Madrid against Villarreal started terribly and then fought back against Athletic Club. Athletic Club were the better team for much of the first yep. 20 minutes or so, and then they got the goal and then they dominated. If Atletico Madrid get an early chance, they have to take it. If we get to half an hour in and it's still nil-nil, then I think Real Madrid will inevitably end up dominating and, and going on to win that battle. But if Atletico get an early chance, I feel like that is the real game-changer, that an early chance going Atleti's way could lead to some of the Real Madrid fans getting a little their backs up a little bit. I mean, can't forget as well, this is the first home game that Real Madrid have played at the Bernabeu since since before the World Cup. So mm-hmm. these fans have got some frustrations about how the Super Cup worked out, about how the team have been playing of late. So if the 300 Atletico fans there can be cheering, then, then that would be good news. Well, I, I, I don't know how true this is, but I saw something this morning that, that said there are now 600 tickets allotted. Uh, I, I didn't, I only saw it in, I can't, I might have been Mundo Deportivo, but I, apparently because of the complaints, they've now allotted uh, 600 tickets to traveling uh, Atletico supporters. Whether that's the case or not, um, there, there will not be significant Atletico representation at, at the, the Bernabeu from the, from the fan perspective. Um, I almost feel like that's worse in a way. I mean, the four thousand Atleti fans applied for a ticket to go. So, <laughs> to say we give any three hundred, maybe we should have done a bit more. Okay, have six hundred. It almost <laughs> sounds like a, we don't care about the other three thousand and whatever. We'll, we'll just give you three hundred more. Yeah, you mean then you'll you'll shut up and stop complaining. Griezmann <laughs> well, replied to a tweet about it as well. Kind of. Oh, did he? Yeah, I saw that was was this evening on. I can't remember exactly what his words were. I'm going to see if I can find it now quickly. But he was kind of laughing emojis of uh, about the the increased um, tickets given to Atletico fans. Yeah, oof, que locura! Oh, how crazy! Mm. Uh, so clearly, that's that's being spoken about in the dressing room as well. Good bulletin board material. Diego Simeone can always use that. Um, one, what What's going to be one other key matchup for, for the Derby on Thursday, Sam? What is one positional matchup that you're most looking forward to 
that could be the most decisive. Again, and, and again, I think you're right. If Atletico approached this like the Barcelona game a couple of weeks ago and just sit back and sit deep and try to counter for the first 20 minutes, they're going to give up a goal and they're going to lose. Uh, so what is the, the one matchup you are most looking forward to watching that could be decisive in this game? I think it's going to be Antoine Griezmann against whoever Carlo Ancelotti goes with as his holding midfielder, his pivot. I mean, Aurelien Chalmini has been out for a while. He's not going to be back for this one. Mm-hmm. And there hasn't been a settled figure in that number number six role for, for Real Madrid. And I think that's been a problem area for them. And they've changed it a lot. Eduardo Camavinga has come in and been taken off at half-time in the Super Cup in both of those games playing in that role. Danny Ceballos has dropped in, Tony Cruz has dropped in. It feels like Carlo Ancelotti isn't convinced by any of them. I don't think they've all played badly. I think some of them have done okay. But that's the area that Antoine Griezmann is going to look to operate in, kind of that line between the midfield and the defence and so on. And I don't think that Real Madrid in the last couple of weeks have come up against a player operating in that kind of space. So to have Antoine Griezmann in there, I feel like he's going to be kind of licking his lips at exactly what he can do, how he can pour that midfield and that defence all over the place. And that's a real opportunity for Atletico, I think. For me, the the two big battles of what Antoine Griezmann can do there and what Vinicius can do down down Atleti's right flank. I think whoever has the better game of those two individuals could easily end up winning the tie for their team. And I mean, that's what these big games are all about, right? The two superstars on either side deciding the game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's going to come down to the, the margins and, and los detalles. Um, I'm most interested in seeing who is going to start at left back and what system Diego Simeone is going to use in this game. Does he go with a line of three? Does he go with a line of four at the back? Uh, does he turn to Ray Neal, though? Does Yannick Carrasco get back into the team as left wing back and have to cover all this ground uh, in a potential matchup with Danny Carvajal? Um, the whoever wins down the flanks will probably be the winner of this game. Yeah, um, I mean, those flanks are big weaknesses defensively for both teams and at the same time big strengths for both teams going forward. So I think it, it will be interesting. And I mean, the left-hand side is, is intriguing as well. I mean, do we see Reynilda? If Reynilda starts, I mean, how does he fit into that? I mean, Diego Simeone has been trying a few different things in, in training and so on this week and I think it might be one of those where usually we can tell what lineup is going to put out from what the team have been doing in training in the weeks before but in this case I'm not sure I think it might be a surprise I think the, the lineup that he was trying today on Tuesday had Nahuel Molina, Stefan Savage, Mayor Mosso Reynildo and then it was Thomas Lamar who was Kind of dropping back into that left wing back role, but not so much. It was more a 4 3 3. So I think maybe Diego Simeone himself isn't certain of exactly how to, to take this game off. We are going to leave it there for today. Uh, Sam Leverage, thank you so much for hopping on the show. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Good to be here, and hopefully, we'll have something to celebrate later in the week. Oh, yeah, and we're going to be talking about it when win or lose, no draw. Uh, win or lose, we will be back uh, at the end of the week to discuss the cup. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for your continued support in in these trying times. Um, and we'll talk to you again soon. Adios.